This podcast was inspired by an internship with the Museum of Motherhood. Please visit mommuseum.org for more information about the museum, to find out how you can get involved, and to help us strengthen our wonderful community of mothers. Again, that is mommuseum.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Bethany. And I'm Amanda. And And we're we're sisters. We are both toddler moms, but we have very different experiences of motherhood. So we are on a mission to talk to different moms who all have different experiences. With a whole lot of laughter, tears, and probably coffee, we embark on a journey to experience motherhood through the eyes of others. Please join us on this journey as we explore motherhood through funny, loving, and very real memories. This This is Mom Talks Talks with My Sister. Hello, and welcome to Mom Talks with My Sister. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going today? Oh, uh, you know, eh, it's it, work is so stressful right now. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. Um, with, with this office expansion that I'm kind of dealing with, it just keeps me on my toes. And every day there, I feel like there's a new change. I'm like, yes, I have my plan nailed down. And then it's like, no, you don't, because we're going to change <laughs> it on you now. Well, it's so funny too, because it's like you're a mom when you're at home, but then you're also a mom when you're at work. Every story that I hear, it's like you just, you're a mom to adults at work. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They're like, Bethany, um, so when are they going to come empty my garbage? And I'm like, they're not going to come empty your garbage. You have to put your garbage in the trash can in the hallway and they empty the main trash cans. No one is going to empty my garbage. And I'm like, (laughs) no like no (laughs) that's on you i don't know what to say (laughs) so it's one of those things like like when your bathroom garbage gets full and you're like no one's gonna come and empty my bathroom (laughs) garbage like no you put it in the garbage in the big garbage i don't know that's what we do in our house (laughs) that's exactly what that's exactly what i do i don't know i don't I don't know why, but like, I don't ever put a bag in my bathroom garbage either. Like I know they sell small bathroom garbage bags, but I don't. So I used to. So I mean, I think, yeah, I think by now, maybe the majority of the listeners realize what state we live in, uh, just because of the (laughs) things that we've referenced. But in the state of New York, uh, a couple of years ago, they outlawed uh, plastic bags. And so we have this amazing grocery store from our area Wegmans, shout out Wegmans. You can sponsor us if you want. Uh, <laughs> but they, um, you always, that was like the thing that everybody in this area did is once you were done grocery shopping, you saved your plastic Wegmans bag. So we were always yeah. recycling them. Like, right. you know, like, but I guess then eventually they make their way into the garbage. But yeah. that's what we used them for was we didn't just throw them away. We used them to collect our, bar- like our garbage in our small garbage cans. So okay. now that we don't have them, I guess I've just gotten like used to not having a bag and like my bathroom garbage or like my small garbages. You know, whenever I get, speaking of outlawing the bags and the plastic bags, whenever I'm out of state, and I get asked, um, do you want a bag? I always look at them like they're crazy now. I'm like, that's illegal. You can't, <laughs> you can't give out plastic bags. Like, and then like, oh, wait. <laughs> but it's funny how quickly you kind of get used to that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. now it's just second nature for me to not have a bag to bring my own. So, right. But you want to know what's really funny and then we'll get off this topic is that I never called them 
plastic bags. I always called them Wegmans bags. Like always. if you were going to use a, some form of a plastic bag, it wasn't a plastic bag. You refer to them as a Wegmans bag. And now yes. our Wegmans bags are reusable, which are good. I mean, I think we can all like agree that like, it's, yes, it's better. But it, for a long time, it was just like, oh, my Wegmans bag. And what is that? Oh, it's just the plastic bag that now lines my garbage can in my bathroom. <laughs> but we also have to acknowledge here that a Wegmans bag was always a, a big Wegmans bag on the outside stuffed full of plastic Wegmans yes. bags. <laughs> so you had your bag of bags. And it was just, it's all, I, I feel like every house that I ever went to, any house that I would visit, it was just a normal commonplace. You had your bag of bags. Right. I but. feel like anybody who's listening to this in our area right now is like, oh my gosh, yes, reminiscing about it. Anybody not from this area is like, why are they talking this much about plastic bags? <laughs> right? They're like, this is still what we do. We still right. have a bag of bags. <laughs> um, well, anyway, let's hop into mom moments for today. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? Sure, I'll start today. Um, so really, really cute moment with my daughter this morning. She, um, she's she been really good. And uh, now that we're gearing up towards the holidays and Christmas time, you know, we're always telling her, you know, make sure, you know, you stay in bed, make sure you tell us when you have to go potty, those things, um, you know, make sure you're following directions. Um, and she has a sticker chart um, where she earns prizes. And so, um, this morning I gave her, she got this little makeup palette. Um, I got this, I found this cheap little makeup palette, um, on one of my favorite sites in the world. And I'm not going to share what it is. Cause it's like my secret gem. I don't want everyone running to, cause no one that I ever talked to knows what this site is. And it's kind of like, it's like an Amazon, but it's like early days of Amazon, but it's like just little like boutique stores. Um, and I love it. But anyways, um, so I found <laughs> this really cheap palette for like, I don't know, like $3.99 or $4.99 or something. And uh, it's an eyeshadow palette. And it comes with like a little mirror and it's in like this compact and um, and it's got like a little brush and a little like brush holder. And it's actually like, it's actually decent, but like, you know, it got here. And of course the eyeshadow is not like, it's not, it's not the greatest. It's like, it's very cheap. It just, you know, rubs it off. So I was like, perfect. This is exactly what I was looking for, for it. So um, she wanted to do her makeup this morning. So I handed her the, the palette and she is just doing her makeup away. And she looks up at me and she goes, mommy. And, I, and it's so funny because I sent this, picture out to all of you know you guys in the family and I was like oh my gosh it's this bright blue eyeshadow and it, she looked fantastic and she did she got it out of her eyes she got a little under her eyes for you know a little like under the eyeliner uh but she uh she looks straight out of like a 90s Mary Kay magazine just like these rosy cheeks and these bright you know pink rosy cheeks and this bright blue eyeshadow just everywhere it was a adorable and I was like girl you get it you live your best life right now <laughs> so it was just really cute my favorite part of it is that she's just like watching you and she's learning like just watching you get ready for work and she's like mm -hmm. wanting to mimic you and do what you do and that is just so much fun but she, she <laughs> looked adorable yeah, yeah. <laughs> she it was it was cute but yeah it was yeah. it was it was definitely a, a mom moment of me doing my makeup well, she was on the floor doing her makeup and it was just, it was a really, it, it as funny as I made it, it was a really, really special moment. And I'm really happy that we 
we did get to share it. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What's your mom moment? So I have a funny one. Um, so recently my son, he's, he has found the love of the library. Let me tell you, which, you know, me, I love the library. So I'm happy that he loves the library, but we've been having a hard time finding books that he like enjoys and wants to read more than once. Um, and we found one and I can't remember the name of it. It's something like, um, like, do you need a hug or something like that? And it shows all these little baby animals uh, needing hugs from their parents, whether like the hippo falls down and gets a scrape on his knee and the raccoon is scared of the thunderstorm. And, you know, the mama Mm -hmm. gives the baby a hug, but so the hippo has a scrape on his knee and my son always wants to kiss the hippo's knee. And he now is showing me boo-boos on his legs that he is literally in front of me, quote, causing. He fake oh, hits himself. He like, he'll like, I don't know. I don't want to say he doesn't hit himself hard. He like fake hits himself and he goes, ow, boo-boo kiss it (laughs) so now he's like pretending to like have a boo-boo so i'll kiss his boo-boo but he's obsessed with this book and we have read it like he makes us read it like four or five times a night right now and i'm like all right i'm gonna have to return it to the library but i'm gonna end up having to buy it for him so but it's very funny though he's like mom love me like and if you're not gonna love me i'm gonna make you love me (laughs) yes because and i told him that today i told him that today because he pretended to like hit his knee and say ow boo boo i said you know you can just ask for a kiss like i'll give you a kiss if you're just like mommy kiss like you don't have to pretend you're hurt but I guess that's more fun. That's so, yeah, that's cute. It's like it's the exact like inner workings of a child's brain right there, you know? Yes, absolutely. Very literal. <laughs> absolutely. So, well, with that, awesome. I think that we can introduce today's guest. Today's- I'm so excited for today's guest. So am I. This is a reschedule from a while ago because yes. of technical difficulties. So oh, technical we are difficulties. It is the the struggle is real. That struggle is very real. But <laughs> so today's guest is Crystal. She is a mom of one, and today she will be sharing her experience of the struggles of motherhood versus career woman. Crystal described herself as a mother of one child, two more much furrier children, and a man child, also known as her husband. She is the chief operations officer, admin assistant, chef, house cleaner, driver, dog walker, cheerleader, social worker, etc., all at home, while working as a senior research scientist at a biotech company with a clinical stage cancer immunotherapy drug. She also dabbles as a photographer and a graphic designer for work, sports, and activities for her son and for her own passion. Her son has a, a severe food allergy so throw that into all the chaos with that said she loves her life she loves her tribe she loves her work every day is an emotional roller coaster yet she wouldn't change a thing without further ado we would like to welcome crystal to mom talks with my sister hi guys crystal. Welcome. <laughs> thank you for having me on here thank you thank for you. joining and i just would like to say that i think we all should be ashamed uh of the lack of hats that we wear compared to crystal because <laughs> I, I feel like crystal, the amount of hats that she wears she's got to have like a room full of just hats on the wall <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, like know. in uh, Schitt's Creek, if anybody watched that in Schitt's Creek where uh, Moira's got her wigs on the wall, this is Crystal with her hats of all the things that she is responsible for. Oh, I love that. I know you're reading off this list and I'm like, wow, I sound really busy. When do I sleep? Right. I'm also Isn't wondering I- the same thing. When do you sleep, Crystal? <laughs> Isn't it so funny, though, because it's like that's that's a, something that comes up a lot when people are asking, like, oh, like, what do you do? And and you, you start telling them and you're like, wow, how do I do this? I do like, all that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like when you are in it, you find a way to you make it work. It. Yeah, and it doesn't seem life. like that much. It's your life. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like when you actually write it down and you realize, oh, my God, I do all of this stuff. You're like, holy crap. Go me. That's why I'm stressed. Yeah, right. Right. So you've now heard it out loud and you're like, oh, this explains a lot. I think I need a nap and a drink. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or both. Both works. Or both. (laughs) So, Crystal, let's first talk about what you do for a living. And I mean, you, you briefly described it, but tell us in layman's terms, because you're really smart. <laughs> Let's just start there too. Um, tell us tell us what it is that you actually do for a living. Okay, so what I do, I am, as, I, as you stated, a senior research scientist for a biotech company. I do translational science. So that means uh, basically we take what we learn from the lab doing research and bring it into the clinic for like for patients and for clinical trials. And um, I work in the amino oncology field. So for cancer and um, the drug that my company has that I work with is an immunotherapy. So that is an antibody that we use in patients with cancer. basically to try to boost the immune system to get the immune system to help fight the cancer. Um, My job specifically is um, when we get, when we have patients on trials, we get samples from these patients, uh, tumor samples, and I take these samples and investigate them to look at, um, to try to figure out our mechanism of action of our drug. Um, so I absolutely love what I do. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm a big geek, but um, <laughs> science geek, but I absolutely love it. It's um, what I've always wanted to do. I've never wanted to do anything else. And um, we become, it, although I don't ever meet any of these patients that I deal with, we become very close to them in a sense where you know, we're really following along with how they're doing on these trials. And um, it really breaks our hearts, you know, when we lose a patient on a trial and we try our best to use the tissues the best we can to try to um, to help these people and the future generations. Well, even though you think that you're a geek, I think that it's awesome because without people like you, like trying to cure cancer, then where would we be, right? Like I couldn't do what you do, <laughs> but you're a good geek. I, I well, thank you. You're my favorite kind of geek. <laughs> it's, a good thing to, uh, it's a good thing to be a geek about, right? Like it's one yeah. of those, like uh, be proud to be, you know, like you say, a geek in that, in that aspect. Yeah. I mean, I'm a geek about fantasy football, and that's not saving lives. You are. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> so Crystal, um, going back to like one of our very first episodes, um, we had jokingly talked about, you know, the quote, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And <laughs> I had said to Bethany, um, I was like, you know, I genuinely really like my job, but I still consider it work. So, you know, it seems like you were one of those people that like this statement, it really kind of is referring to. So did you always know that this was an area that you were passionate about before you got into it? So that's funny, when I was listening to your previous podcast and I heard you guys talking about that, I was like, oh, wait, you guys were like, I don't know if I know anybody who, you know, has ever felt this way. And, you know, I've never felt that way. And I was like, oh, oh, me, me, <laughs> that describes me. Chris um, was like, pick me, pick me. <laughs> that's not normal. I thought that was just normal. <laughs> um, no, so actually I was I was thinking about that a lot the other day. And um, so I can remember distinctly, I mean, when I was really young, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Wanted to, I've always wanted to help. Um, and then I decided when I got a little older that I wanted to be a doctor. And then I distinctly remember it was eighth grade science class and we were learning about the immune system and antibodies. And it just like clicked with me. And I was like, that this fascinates me. This is what I want to do. I want to do something with the immune system, something with antibodies. This is my passion. And from that day on in eighth grade uh, science class, I have worked towards where I am today, which we have our drug that's in the clinic is an antibody helping the immune system. And, um, and it's just, it's always been that and nothing else. So yeah. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I, there's so much envy in that, like for me, because it's, you know, I, I still don't know what I want to do. And I think I've said that before, <laughs> like, again, and I, I very genuinely like my job, but I'm like, I don't know, like, is this what I'm supposed to do forever? And for you, I mean, it's just one of those, you are so one of those people that found what you were so passionate about so early on. And I just, like I said, it's, it's, it's an envy of that, you know, of having that experience in your life. Yeah. And I can definitely say the, I don't, after I listened to your podcast, we were talking about, you know, people saying, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I'm like, I can honestly say, I don't feel like I work like my job is like my hobby and I especially now after COVID I can work from home a lot and it's like my personal life and my work life are really just all one and the same I mean I will get up in the morning and get my son ready for school and take care of the dogs and then I jump on my computer and start doing work and then I'll go throw in a load of laundry and then I'll come back and do some work. And then when my son gets home from school, I'll do stuff with him, make dinner. We'll all hang out. And sometimes later at night, I'll get my laptop out and we'll be watching TV. And here I am looking at tumors and um, doing stuff for work. And it just doesn't ever feel like work. It's just like I said, I really love what I do. Um, and so I just kind of keep on going. And then there's me working on my fifth college degree. <laughs> uh, what do I want to do? 
And then there's me who doesn't like numbers and math. And it's literally my job. And what I do for a living is all numbers and math and money and finance. And I'm like, how did this happen in my life? (laughs) I know. Definitely envy. Definitely envy. And I'm so happy that you have that in your life where you are like, you you are able to just incorporate work throughout your whole day and enjoy it. Because let me tell you, when I leave work, I leave work. I'm like, nope, no. I mean, I'm not bringing that home. (laughs) Right. I work with a great team where I work. We have a small group. And um, I mean, we're texting each other, emailing each other, sometimes at midnight, like, oh my gosh, we have to have this for tomorrow. And I'll get out of bed and go jump on my computer and do something. And and then I'll sleep in the next morning a little bit. Or, you know, we're just really flexible and a really great team all working towards the same goal. And it's really great. Yeah. Well, and honestly, too, that's the kind of team that I would want working on, you know, trying to find a way to help me with cancer, right, is a team that's going to want to work on it, not feel forced to work on it, but want to work on it at all hours of the night and day, like, Mm -hmm. because you enjoy it. And when you enjoy something, you give more of yourself to it. And when it comes to finding, you know, a a cure, if not a cure, but a treatment for cancer, um, you know, that's, that's what's important, right? Like you need people like Absolutely. you. So. I mean, when there's a problem, uh, I've worked with many people that are like, I couldn't get this to work. This doesn't work. It's just, it's not going to happen. And that's never been an answer for me. It's why isn't this working? How can I get around it? I will find a way to make this work no matter what it takes. And, you know, you do it for these patients and you do it for, potentially your family and friends down the line and um you do it for people in the past um, that you've lost and uh actually it's it's interesting because before coming onto this podcast to talk i was thinking about it and i was like i've always remembered in my career that it was eighth grade science class that i you know learned about immunology and antibodies and fascinated me and decided that's what i wanted to do and I forgot to mention earlier, one of the other reasons I decided to go into research was instead of being a doctor was I felt that in the research field, you could make a bigger impact, that you could reach more people than your physical hands could touch. And that was my reasoning from switching between wanting to be a doctor and getting into the research field. But I actually was doing the math before I came over here because my mom was first diagnosed with cancer um, 10, uh, 11 years before she passed away. And I did the math and I was about 13 when she first was diagnosed, which was about eighth grade. So it lined up. So, but that is nothing that I've ever thought about with choosing my career and wanting to be in the oncology, immuno-oncology field. It's amazing how this podcast has almost become therapy for uh, not just us, but for our guests. Like people have, you know, realizations or they say things are like, I never thought of that before, you know, so it's almost like therapy for moms. So I think it's great that we're doing this. I didn't mean to cut you off, Crystal. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. I was just going to say, I know that, you know, in more recent years, that it's been a really um, big push for me and impact on me is losing my mom to cancer. But 
I did, I never thought about that. That was the first time that she was diagnosed was right around the time that I was adamant. This is what I was going to do with my life. That's yeah. That's crazy that, you know, that's that connection kind of has, has come later. Yeah. But well, so speaking of your mom, um, and this kind of ties into our guest from last week who also became a mom without her mom. Um, you lost your mom a couple of years before you had your son. Correct. Yeah. Um, so your mom was never there for any of last week's guest. Uh, her mom passed when her daughter was just around two. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to ask how that not having your mom there when you went through, you know, your stages of life after you got married and you decided to um, have a child and not having her there. How did that impact you when you got pregnant? Who did you lean on? Who did you talk to um, Um, during all that? I think my husband and I really uh, formed an additional bond when I was pregnant because I didn't have my mom to go to, which a lot of women do. Um, I am a very independent person, but I really leaned on my husband for a lot. I mean, he's always been my best friend and um, we kind of navigated it just together whenever I'd have issues. Um, Most of my friends hadn't had children yet. Um, I couldn't really ask my dad (laughs) anything. Um, so it was, it was tough. There was, especially with hormones and emotions and, you know, at times when I was very sick during my pregnancy and it was really hard. And, um, sometimes I just wanted my mom and just to talk to, if nothing else, or to ask questions or to ask if these were things that occurred to her when she was pregnant and is this normal and, and I didn't have that and I didn't really have anybody to ask that. So it was hard. And like I said, but I think in turn, my husband and I really formed um, a stronger bond because of it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's sweet. Well, so you um, are actually studying I might be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. But you're studying the type of cancer that your mom had. Yes. Was that by choice or was that like just coincidental? No. So we had actually started in non-small cell lung cancer with our drug in the clinic. And then um, we saw some positive results, but we needed to go into an indication that um, had kind of a different subset of cells that we thought our mechanism of action leaned closer to. And after the re- a lot of the research that I did pointed towards head and neck cancer, which is what my mom had. So that was really just what was the best fit for our drug and was really, really exciting um, when they first told me that that's where they were going to go into next. So we currently have a clinical trial in head and neck cancer right now uh, that we're enrolling patients for. And it's, uh, I can't even explain how proud, I don't know if proud's the right word, like just, mm-hmm. um, I feel like I'm making a difference and that maybe I can help people to never have to go through what my mom did and what all of us did losing her. 
and now I'm gonna cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I just am filled with gratitude and I put my all into my work and I really want to help people. I want to help these people on our trial and I want to help people in the future. And it's just been amazing. And everyone that I work with knows my past and they've all been really great about everything. And, um, have given me a lot of leeway to kind of take things on my own and kind of investigate and, uh, some, some slightly different directions. And it's, it's been really gratifying. That's awesome. That's so, so awesome. It's, you know, you're clearly so passionate to begin with and now being able to do what you're doing and studying the cancer that your mom had, it, it takes that passion to a whole new level where I, I just, I don't think anybody, there's probably like maybe 0.5% of the population could <laughs> be in the understanding of like what you're actually doing and what you're experiencing and how that makes you feel. So, you know, again, you're, you're here, you know, on the podcast specifically being passionate about your career, but losing your mom and now studying that type of cancer, just, again, it just takes that passion just above and beyond what I think anybody could ever comprehend. Sometimes I, I'm like, am I in a dream? Is this really my life? Because this is something I said I wanted to do from a young age. And then now being in the indication that uh, took my mom's life and hopefully will make a difference for other people in that um, type of cancer. It's kind of surreal, actually. Sometimes I just sit back and I'm like, how did I get here? Is this real? (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So Crystal, were you in this position um, before or after you became a mom? And I know that you kind of answered that, but um, so I'm wondering if it was like the exact thing that you're doing now, or, I mean, obviously you weren't in line for this career, um, but also like to piggyback on that, how did becoming a mom affect or change your career? So this might be like one in the same answer or kind of go all together. Okay. So to start, Um, I was at um, the same company that I'm at now. Um, I believe when I first got pregnant, I may have been um, running a different type of assay in the lab, Um, but it was like right after I found, I think I moved to a new position and then found out right afterwards that I got pregnant or that I was pregnant. Um, So that was interesting. Working in a lab when pregnant is interesting. Uh, So typically, like I had mentioned before, I got very, very sick throughout my whole pregnancy. Um, I was throwing up on average 10 to 12 times a day minimum. Oh my gosh. Oh my Um, gosh. I couldn't keep any food down. I was just so nauseous, so sick. I think I lived, and this happened throughout the entire pregnancy. It didn't go away. Um, so I was living on Triscuits and melted cheddar cheese. That was like the only thing I could eat when I was pregnant. Which Um, sounds amazing, but I can imagine that when that's the only thing you can eat, you're like, 
please, dear God, no one ever show me a Triscuit or melted butter cheese ever <laughs> again. <cheese> again. <laughs> uh, exactly. I still have a little, you know, twitch when I <laughs> see a Triscuit and melted cheese. But it was horrible because I would, I mean, I was working in the lab at that time. Now in my position, I do more work on the computer and kind of managing the lab. But um, at that point, I was full-time in the lab doing experiments, which are all timed. So, I mean, you have five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, whatever, between when you have to do steps and there's no deviation. I mean, you have to do the next step at that point or you ruin the experiment. So I would be in the lab and I have my lab coat on and my gloves and all this. And all of a sudden I'd get that wave come over me and gloves would be ripped off, coat ripped off, and I'd be running to the bathroom to throw up. Um, sometimes I didn't make it that far. I would be in the garbage can. Um, so it was, it was tough. Um, and then just the stress of everything that I was learning new at work in the new position, which I loved. Um, but then feeling so sick and just being so tired. I remember, um, we have a, a room upstairs for, uh, mothers who are pumping and it has a uh, leather couch in it and many many times I would go up there during my lunch break and just lay on, lock the door and lay on the couch and take a nap because I just couldn't function anymore um, I also remember that at the end of my pregnancy it was kind of hard with this huge stomach trying to do some of the experiments and I remember joking with my coworkers that I was going to leave and go out when I could no longer button my lap. <laughs> and they were fearful because the buttons were stretched to their limit. One was going to come flying off at any point. Break a glass um, test tube. Damn yes. it. Yes. <laughs> and actually, I did have one incident. Um, I was doing a lot of work on microscopes at that time, which is another thing that working with a microscope when you feel nauseous is not the best job. Oof. So, but I would have to reach back behind this big microscope and change things, change settings. And at one point my stomach was just larger and I didn't even know that I did it at first. I just leaned on back and just snapped off a piece of the microscope with my stomach. Oh, <laughs> and, oh no. Yeah, we had a, everything was down for a few days. We had to order a new part and yep, I just. Oh no. Yep. So it was interesting. Um, it was very tough. So being pregnant definitely impacted your job for sure. Where like the rest of us, like, you know, if we're not feeling well, like, oh, we're going to go home or we're going to take a nap or I'm going to take, you know, like five minutes and I'm just going to go walk around or, you know, whatever it may be where your job is so different. Like you said, with all your timed things and now breaking microscopes to do with your belly, you know. <laughs> so like, it really did affect, it really affected your, your job. That's, you know, again, I, this is, this is such a cool interview to be learning about this. It did. And another aspect was that I work with a lot of chemicals. So we had to do a whole workup on what chemicals I used and safety, what I could continue using, what I couldn't. So there were certain things that I couldn't even do that I had to have other people do for me because it was chemicals that I wasn't able to be around while pregnant. So it did affect my job quite a bit. 
Now you said that when you got pregnant, you were just put into a new position. Um, it doesn't sound like, um, that changed though. Like your job was very accommodating. Your work was absolutely allowed you to, you know, maintain career trajectory. Yes. That's yeah. Awesome. There was no change in that sense. Like I said, my, uh, colleagues and the company I work for is absolutely wonderful. They were very flexible, as flexible as they could be, you know, with the experiments I was running and everything. And, um, so that has never been an issue. There was never, um, a problem or delay in me moving up in the company because of pregnancy or anything like that. So no, that's great. That's, that's really cool to hear. I love that. And it's nice too, that you're saying that they even had, you know, a separate room for women that had to pump or things like that. Cause you know, even the company that I worked at prior to, to having my daughter, um, there was nothing like that. There was, you know, it was a, decent sized company and there was nothing that accommodating, um, you know, there. So it's just, it's nice. Cause it seems like they, they were accommodating just in general to you. Absolutely. And we're a small company at that point. We were probably just under 50 people and they had, it was kind of the end of a cubicle roll row and they had put walls up all the way to the ceiling and a locking door. They had a leather couch and a refrigerator and a little table. And so you could keep all of your stuff right in there. It was very nice. Although I do have a funny story about that. Room. I was going to ask you about this one. <laughs> I forgot about that until this moment. Um, so being a small company, I work very closely with everyone, the CEO, um, you know, basically everyone in the company. And I was, after I had my son, I was in the room pumping and, you know, you're just, first of all, it was kind of odd because it was the corner, um, the end of the hallway. So there was windows, full windows on two walls and we were up on the second floor. So I never really closed the blinds because I figured no one could really see. But, you know, when you're pumping, you're kind of just hanging out there and very exposed, but the doors locked on this little cubicle area and I hear voices outside and I can hear that it's the CEO, CEO of my company. And it sounded like he was giving someone a tour and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I hear him come closer and I hear him talking about how this is a room that women can use, you know, after they have children for pumping this and that, whatever uh, terminology he used. And then without warning, just grabs the handle and pushes on the door really hard. And the whole wall like shakes. I thought for sure that door was opening and the CEO of my company <laughs> was coming into this room with me just hanging out with these machines hanging off my boobs. And, and then he didn't just stop. He kind of shook it a couple times and then stopped for a minute and was like, oh, someone must be in there. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was just like, that was it. I said, if that door opens, I have to put in not even my two weeks. Like I'm just walking out. Like I can never come back. Like, so I was like, here's my two minutes. <laughs> yes. There's no recovering from and that. It's like, how do you, how do you respond? Especially when somebody keeps trying to get in. It's not like it's like a restroom where you're like, occupied. <laughs> <laughs> right someone's in here what do you say but also okay we have all pumping pumped. in session well so oh no maybe you didn't pump excuse I me didn't you know. didn't pump. 
Okay, but you have heard me pump. You've been around pumps. Those mm-hmm. things aren't quiet. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I had like the super huge machine that you can rent from the hospital. So it was like supercharged and it was really loud. And it was actually really embarrassing anyways, because it was still a cubicle, even though they built the walls on that all the way to the ceiling and put a locked door on it. But the the IT guy at the time was sketchy and he was the last office right before that so when i'd have to go in there i knew he was sitting right over there and all you hear is that (laughs) 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 and it was always a little awkward but yeah but yeah for sure i thought that was it i was i mean i love my job but that was going to be it for my ceo (laughs) while i was pumping Plus, not to mention, after that, when you have to leave, is it like the walk of shame where like you're like, well, he tried to get in. The IT guy knows what I'm doing. The CEO now knows what I'm doing. The people he was giving a tour now knows what I'm doing. And now I have to walk out of this little cubicle and be like, well, all done. Who's next? Fresh milk in the refrigerator. Come to body temp. Actually, I never felt like that, though. That's um, good. I think uh, I was always so embarrassed about everything, but after having a kid, I a lot of that just went away. I mean, it you're so exposed you. in the hospital mm-hmm. and you're just like, whatever, everything's hanging out. Everybody's seeing everything. It really does change things. So, I mean, I was a little embarrassed when I was actually pumping and I knew it was so quiet and that the IT guy was sitting right on the other side of this thin wall. But other than that, I guess the only time I have really the walk of shame was when I was still pregnant and I used to go up to that room and lock myself in and take a nap. And then I would quietly try to come out and hope nobody would be walking by <laughs> to see me. <laughs> see, but now to be fair, when I was pregnant and I think mine was, it must have been my first trimester because it was, yeah, it was my first trimester. Um, I was a zombie and I'd get to lunch and I'd be like, I just can't. And I would go because we didn't have a space like that at my job either. So I would go and sleep in the back seat of my car. <laughs> and this is when I had like my crappy old Ford Focus. And I would just like shove myself in the back seat and I would pass out. And then sometimes I would just sleep past my lunch break <laughs> well that happened many times that yeah. was where the walk of shame came from. Like, <laughs> it was 2 30 in the afternoon it's almost time to go home <laughs> so how about now um obviously your son is is here we are very much past pregnancy and birth he is he's a young man now i know and so you're obviously still very in-depth into these clinical trials and you just i mean you just came back from a conference so how are you balancing your passion for work and motherhood and how did you do it all these years to now has it changed what have you learned that's a lot of questions that's a lot of questions okay um let's start start with one at a time (laughs) (laughs) um so uh there's definitely it's like a roller coaster there's times when everything is running so smoothly and things are going great at work and i feel great and things are going great at home and i feel great and i feel like i'm on top of the world and then that 
can very easily flip-flop and there's a lot of pressure on work to get stuff done that's taking a lot of time and my son um he's 10 now so he's into a lot of sports and doing a lot of activities so it's like he has games and he has all kinds of things with school that i don't want to miss out on so sometimes i feel like i can barely keep my head above water and it's just I feel like I'm failing in all aspects of my life. I'm failing at work. I'm failing at being a wife. I'm failing at being a mom. Um, and those times are really, really hard. Um, but it does, it is like a roller coaster. I mean, you get into those moments and then you just keep on going somehow one day after another. And then, um, and then things will get better for a while and just cycles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's, I think it's that, the ebb and the flow. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we all kind of experience that where it's like you feel yeah. like you're on top of the world and everything's going exactly the way it's supposed yeah. to. And then you go downhill real fast sometimes. Yeah. And you're stuck down there for a while. Yeah. But so you're definitely not alone in those feelings. I guarantee you that. I do feel there's sometimes where I just am so overwhelmed with everything that I have to just stop absolutely everything. I'm like, I just need a moment to breathe. I have to just, I need some time to myself. I can't think about work. I can't think about our crazy family hectic schedule. I just need to clear my mind and kind of refresh myself and then I can jump back into it. But there's definitely been times that I've had to miss my son's games for work-related events and, um, times when it's just really hard to hit deadlines for work because of so much that's going on in my home life. And, um, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's no one way to balance it all. It's, it's what works at the time. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of just do it, you know, it's like you said earlier, you know, it's like, it might not be perfect. And, you know, you may realize after the fact, you know, that, hindsight is 2020 type of a thing, but in the time you do the best that you can. And especially when you're fortunate enough to have, um, a career you're so passionate about, but also a family that you're so passionate about trying to find that balance is not an easy task, but I mean, you have such a amazing head on your shoulders, Crystal, and you're such an inspiration to so many people that you do such a good job at it that, I mean, everybody that, I know knows you or that doesn't know you and is listening to this is going to look up to you and be like, wow, that is, that is a power woman right there. I also feel like I have a really great support uh, system. I have, like I've mentioned before, my husband, even though I have called him another man child <laughs> or my man child that I have to also take care of, but he really is my best friend and a great support for me. And, um, I have amazing family, amazing friends, and um, my colleagues at work are just, I'm so grateful for them because they're so understanding and um, always there to help out when they can. And we kind of just pass things back and forth to each other when someone's overwhelmed and really do work well as a team. So I feel like I have a great team both at work and at home. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, you know, I find that 
they're very common themes and and I, I tend to point them out when we're recording um and beyond asking for help which comes up in almost every single episode asking and accepting help the other one is to build a support system you know absolutely like, like you know you don't you don't have your mom unfortunately mm-hmm. you know and but you have had to build a support system and you've done that and no one will ever take the place of your mom and you will always want your mom to be here. But, you know, you have found a way to have people in your life who can kind of help you through, you know, and absolutely not, not and take her place in any way, shape or form, but be there for you when you need it. I think that's one of the most important things is whoever your support system is, you need to have those people. Um, for those rainy days, for the day, those days that you just can't, um, to have someone there to either tell you, you know what, you just have to settle up and keep on going, or to have someone to give you a hug and a shoulder to cry on, or, you know, someone to help take some of the workload. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really a necessity. Yeah. I definitely agree. That's great Amanda. Yeah. Um, do you have any more questions you want to ask Crystal at this time? Um, besides going back to exactly what she does and having her start from the very beginning, uh, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> just start over, explain in a little I bit mean, more. Language. I should have prepared a PowerPoint for my presentation. I love a good PowerPoint. Um, Wait, so the best. I, I apologize for not having one ready for this podcast. <laughs> the best thing was, so she just came back from her conference and she said in the group chat, she's like, here's my poster. We all opened it and we were all like, I don't know what we're looking at. <laughs> and I opened it and I tried so hard and I'm like, it's a great poster. But Ryan was the first one who was just like, I opened it and I don't know what it was. <laughs> There's too many um, big words. Too many big words. Pictures, yeah, the pictures were great. The poster itself was set up beautifully. The words were a different language. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they said. Pim, pim Bendin. Pepinamab. Pepinamab. drug, yes. Pepinamab. See, I read it. it. We call it Peppy. Oh, Peppy. Peppy. I like it. Mm-hmm. So, all right. I'm going to need some Pepinamab tomorrow morning when I wake up because we're staying up too late. <laughs> Pepinamab. We're going to get it. All right. So, Crystal, do you have anything else that you would like to share? At this point, I think we're good. Awesome. Amanda, do you want to explain to Crystal our next segment? I would love to. This is my favorite segment. So Crystal, there in front of you is a big wheel. And yes, it's a real wheel. Um, So on this wheel, there are numbers uh, for questions that we don't know what questions uh, we're going to get. But this is Ask a Mom. And these questions were submitted by um, people that we may know or friends of friends. And they either don't want kids, don't have kids, aren't sure if they uh, want kids one day but they would like to ask a mom a question. So we are gonna answer and we always say in as short form as possible, but it's always <laughs> long answers, it's fine. Um, so you're gonna spin the wheel and whatever number you get, we're gonna see what random question. And uh, this will be as much fun for you as it is for us because we don't know what the question's gonna be either. No idea. I do have to say this, this wheel is beautiful. It has like a rainbow of colors. Yeah. So I really love that. You, yeah, you have to pull it that way because I pull had to fix it. Yeah. 
Oh, you really got to spin it. That's good. <laughs> like the price is right. You got to make sure it goes all the way around. <laughs> all right. Does that say 10 point? Yes, because our, um, our 10th submission had three questions on it and we don't want to answer all three in one. Okay. So we're going to do very confused. That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> so question 10 points here. Uh, it's a scientific question for our scientists. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> Okay. Question 10.3 comes from Casey, age 27. Her question is, could you discuss the debate between breastfeeding and formula? Oh, this is going to be an interesting one because we all have very different experiences of this. You can start. start? Go for it if you're ready. Um, So I am very much about you know do what you feel comfortable with um when you have a child you just give birth there is so much stress there is so much going on whatever you can do do whatever you can't do there's formula there's it's your child's going to be fine so i don't shame anyone for which way they do i think that it is i understand the stress and whatever you're comfortable with and your child will be fine I personally, being a scientist, um, know that uh, the child is lacking many um, part of the immune system, many antibodies that they can't quite make on their own when they're first born. So I, my goal was to breastfeed for the first three months at least because um, it's those first three months that they need the antibodies from the mother that they can't make. And being in the immunology field, that was something that was very important to me. Um, so I, like I said, that was, it was uh, very stressful. I would never want to do it again, but, um, I tried to breastfeed for the first few months just for that, um, immune boost. But I also think that the child, a child will get all the nutrients that they need through formula in this day and age with the medical care and clean water and everything that we have. I don't think that it's really a big deal one way or another, whatever you decide. Good answer. (laughs) So she comes in with the scientists and I'm just going to come in with the, I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a good reason. I, for me, I agree in that, um, you know, however you choose to feed your baby. If your baby is fed, that is what is important. Formula has come such a long way. And like you said, especially with, you know, the cleaner drinking water and all the other environmental factors, um, you know, it, it's, it isn't life or death anymore, right? To breastfeed versus formula feed. Um, I, personally was never comfortable with the idea of latching. Um, It was never something, although it is obviously very natural, um, never something that felt natural to me. Uh, So I knew from the beginning that I was not going to breastfeed. Um, However, on the flip side of that, I also didn't want to pay for formula. So I opted (laughs) to to go exclusive pumping, um, which was double the work. It was just double the work of everything. It doubles the work of formula, but it doubles the work of breastfeeding because you're pumping, you're packaging, you're freezing, you're thawing, you're feeding. (laughs) So it's just like, instead of just like baby to boob or bottle to baby, like, no, I'm, I mean, 
kudos to you, exclusive pumper moms. I did it for four months. I get it. But it's not something I would want to do again. And if I do have another kid, which at this point, I don't know if we will. um, But if I do, I will probably personally go straight to formula. Maybe I'll pump for like a week just to get that colostrum or something. But I, yeah, I'm probably. So I have a personal question for you with you just pumping. I don't know if I ever asked you this. Did you bleed? Did your nipples bleed? Not once. Oh my God. I hated breastfeeding. Yeah. I did it because for my son and all my crazy geeky science reasons, (laughs) but it hurt. I didn't know that was one of those things that no mom ever told me was that your nipples will bleed. Yeah. Um, they will scab over. Oh. And then you keep on feeding with bloody bleeding nipples with oh. open sores. And I would be in tears breastfeeding because it hurt so bad. Oh no, see, and I feel like I feel like a part of that, and I I've only done the exclusive pumping thing once, so maybe another exclusive pumping mom has a different experience, but I feel like a part of it is nipple skin and like lip skin feel very similar, right? And when you think about if you have dry lips and you lick your lips, the saliva actually dries them out more and then they get chapped and then they crack and they bleed. So it's like, I'm sure that part of it, I'm not, you're the scientist, but I'm sure (laughs) part of it is that, you know, with the baby actually having the saliva and, and the biting method or, um, excuse me, the, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Not method, the bite movement. It's late. Uh, the saliva and then the baby from actually suckling and kind of like biting, you don't get those two things with the pump. So no, I, I didn't, ex- thank God I didn't experience that. I would have thrown that pump out the window a long time <laughs> before I did. <laughs> All right, Amanda, your turn. How about you? Breastfeed, formula feed, thoughts on both. So this is wild that this is the question we were asked tonight because um, our cousin uh, had a baby a few days ago um, and her and I were texting each other today and she was talking about how stressful um, breastfeeding is. And, um, you know, she, her, she was kind of getting my opinion and, you know, my thoughts on it. And I'm not saying my thoughts are right. I would have preface my answer with this. Um, the one thing that I will say is that no one, just more kind of back to the question, Casey's question originally, no one should, my stance, my, my opinion, no one should ever shame anybody on any decision that they make. I will say that I don't think it's talked about enough how stressful uh, breastfeeding and or pumping can be on a brand new mom. Um, even if you do have that support system, your body is going through so many changes. Um, you know, once that baby it comes out and now you have this life that you have to take care of and you have your body that is just going haywire. Always just going through so much and you're trying to figure your own stuff out. You're trying to figure out your, your baby. You're trying to figure out your new life, whether it's your first or it's your, you know, fourth, you're trying to figure out your new, your new flow. Um, so I just don't think that it's talked about enough, how, how difficult it is. And, um, I do know plenty of people that are 100% all about the boob and that's great because if that works for them, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like do it. You get it. That's amazing. Me personally, um, my goal was to pump. Um, again, Bethany, to your point, it, it, it is cheaper. You have your own milk. So if you're able to produce and you're able to do it, that's great. Um, 
for me after my delivery, um, it, it just really wasn't an option. I was kind of handed the baby and they were like, okay, what do you want to do? And, you know, after almost hitting four hours of pushing, there's my body was, I mean, it's, it's like running a marathon, right? I mean, for anybody that's given birth and regardless of how at the end of it, it's, you're like, I don't know what my name is right now, you know? (laughs) So my choice at that point was to just go straight to bottle. Um, and I will say I was lucky enough to get the care from the nurses in the hospital. Um, that I never felt judged. I I have heard stories from other women that felt very judged in a hospital. I've heard stories from other women that have felt very judged uh, by friends or family um, choosing to go that route. Um, The the positives for me that I can say my experience was um, is that um, I knew that the baby was getting the nutrients that she needed. And, you know, like Crystal was mentioning before, like antibodies, things like that. Like, you know, I understand that those are things that you kind of have to forego maybe. Um, but it's also for me, I knew that she wasn't dependent on the nutrients that I was eating. Am I eating the right things that she needs? And, you know, because again, when your body's going through all those changes, I mean, I went through a period of like, I really didn't eat much for a couple weeks. I just wasn't hungry. And if I'm not eating, then she's not getting the nutrients that, that she would have needed. You know, so there, there's always, you know, something that I was thankful for knowing that she's getting what she needs. Um, but the other thing is I knew the exact amount that she was getting. And to me, that was something so looking back on it now, I didn't know at the time, but now looking back on it, I am so thankful that I knew the exact amount of, um, formula or whether it was that milk, I guess, rather, I knew the exact milk ounces that she was getting. She wasn't under eating. She wasn't overeating because I knew exactly what she was getting. And so that worked for me. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but those were the positives that I experienced by doing the bottle. The negatives are you, uh, obviously it, it, it's expensive. It's, it does get to be pretty pricey. Um, plus you, you know, it's, it's making the bottle. So in the middle of the night, when, you know, the baby wakes up hungry, it's not just rolling over, grabbing her out of the bassinet and having her go right to the boob, you know, where here's your food. It's, Oh my God, I gotta go downstairs and make a bottle, you know? <laughs> yeah. So this is my thoughts. And Amanda, the big thing that you said was also really big for me. And um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this one, Crystal. Knowing how much my son was eating, and I know that I can be a control freak, so like I will (laughs) definitely throw that out there. But knowing how much he ate and not having to question it, knowing that when I put him to bed at night, if he woke up in the middle of the night, I didn't have to wonder whether it was a wet diaper or whether it was because he was hungry because I knew exactly how much he'd eaten. I knew if he needed more, like that was such a relief for me. That was, and that came with the exclusive pumping as well as formula, right? We, we measured. How did you handle that? So my son is 10, so uh, it's been a while. (laughs) I don't remember worrying so much about how much he was eating from breastfeeding. I felt that from what I remember, um, that, I mean, he would eat longer as I knew he was having a growth spurt. And then when I did pump, because when I went back to work, I was pumping then. So I was pumping and breastfeeding. Um, I could tell that I was making more as he grew. Um, 
I, I don't know. I felt like he, we just kind of in that sense had a flow mm -hmm. where he didn't seem like his weight was fine and he seemed happy. So I don't think that was ever really a worry for me. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I had a slightly different situation too, where around three months we discovered my son had a severe dairy allergy. So at that point I had been just gone back to work and I was pumping, my supply was going down. So I'd start giving him a little bit of formula and that's when he started getting really sick from the formula. And that's when we discovered his allergy. So at that point I had actually quit um, breastfeeding because uh, I was too worried about what I could eat and what he would react to and things like that. So we went to strictly formula then. And let me tell you, formula for a dairy allergy is very expensive. Yeah. 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 It's expensive to begin with. And then when you add that in on top, plus uh, the stress yeah. of the allergy itself. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's but yeah. yeah, I don't ever remember worrying about how much he was getting. Cause like I said, he always seemed to be happy and he was gaining weight and, um, hitting his milestones and everything. So I just didn't really worry about that. Yeah. I think I was too tired and my nipples hurt. <laughs> I, I could only imagine. Oh, oh wow. I think this, uh, you know, we should end this on a sore nipple note. I think that's good. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you for telling us about your work and your passion and your experience. And thank you for trying to cure cancer. Absolutely. You're literally is, doing that. It is my passion and I love it. And I can't imagine doing anything else. Yay. That's amazing. It was so great having you on. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, we will talk to you next week with another mm -hmm. guest. Yes. Until next week. Can't wait. Everyone have a wonderful one and talk to you later. Love you. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. A squeaky like nose breath you know oh what i'm talking God. about when you can yes. hear like, and you're like can you can you blur those or pick it at this point just yes. pick it because i need this to go away just get your finger up there and get it done a squeaky, just gonna... a squeaky nose breath <laughs> you know, i'm <laughs>